0: Howdy, folks. It's the Sunday edition of the Run Your Mouth podcast. I didn't think I was going to podcast because we did the smoke-out bug-out, but I got too much information in my brain. There's too much that happened this week, so we got to cast. I I hope you listen to this on Sunday because by Monday, it's probably going to be irrelevant. I bet by Monday, Biden's going to get up there and he'll make a formal announcement of... uh, Listen, I've had dementia this whole time I don't even know if that's true Because I have dementia But I'm pretty sure I have dementia I at least remember today And this morning is when that doctor told it to me So uh, I made some poor decisions I I took the military out of Afghanistan And that was a mistake So I'm going to send them back in I don't know if that's going to help It might be too late And that also might be a dementia decision But then I might forget that I took them out And then put them back in again But I'm just going to make like a couple last decisions And then I'm going to step down Uh, So the point being. Who knows what's gonna happen between? I feel like tomorrow is gonna be a big Monday. I don't even know if I'm gonna get this out in time, and then everything might be irrelevant. I I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyways, let's plug our sponsors: Yo Craydem, Yo Delta, and Sheath. Thank you for uh, you know the money you send your way, so that I can yell absolute stupidity into a microphone. Now let's get into the news. First is it was a uh, 9/11 this uh, this past week, and uh, I don't know if you were bombarded with all these. Uh, I don't know if bombarding's right. Where like I wasn't mad that people were trying to remember 9/11. I'm not going to get on the air's and say that like that we're not on radio. I don't know why I say the airwaves. Uh, anyways, there was a lot of this. Never forget. Always remember. Like 9/11. And do we run out of tragedy slogans? Is there one marketing department in the world for tragedy slogans? Because that was always the Holocaust thing was never forget. And I think that made sense for the Holocaust because you ever go to the supermarket and they got cookies on sale and you kind of think to yourself, you know what? Most nights come 11 p.m. I'm going across the street to the gas station for cookies and those are shitty cookies. These are like kind of the fresh bakery grocery cookies and look, they're on sale. But then you remember that every time you buy the cookies, you end up by eating the entire box, you feel sick, you're calling into work the next day saying, listen, I'm making too much diarrhea because the cookies were on sale yesterday and I couldn't not buy the entire thing of cookies and there was a lot of dairy products in there. I'm not even supposed to be eating dairy products and I can't get you a doctor's note, but I can take pictures of this toilet bowl. So if you guys need proof of the fact that I'm making too much diarrhea to come into work today, I'm happy to send the visual evidence, but no, I don't want to actually see a doctor anyways. So you remember that that's what happens when you buy and eat all the cookies you never forget and so you don't buy the cookies. Well, that's kind of the way the world is when it comes to hating and killing Jews. And so that's why we have to remember the Holocaust because otherwise people are going to start hating them and then they'll start killing them. But when it comes to 9-11... Are any of us going to get into planes and just start flying them into buildings? Is that like a real risk in our lives? Like we shouldn't be flying on, on 9-11 because you might get the compulsion to take it over and fly it into a building. And then honestly, if we're going to start, you know, always remembering civilian deaths, the better policy might be hush hush because we're still droning their kids. Um, so really, maybe the better policy here might just be like, I, I we didn't even like those buildings you know, it's cool. We all learned our lesson. We're moving on. Let's not, let's not look at the uh, civilian deaths here. It's, it's no big deal. We didn't, we didn't mind, you know, sure. Some, some first responders got sick and stuff, but like, let's not, okay. That's enough of whatever that joke is. Uh, hey, couple, a couple show technicals before we move on. I I will get to news topics at some point. Um, I think, uh, I think I got big plans for the show. How big I sat down and I drew them on a big piece of paper. That's how. That's a dumb joke. I should edit that one. I I think uh, I I want to get back to going live, but sadly there's one weaselly fuck who just likes to follow me around. It's probably those people who uh, claim that I defamed them a couple years ago. I bet that they're they're still following this podcast and they're still upset that I'm out here running my mouth while they try and run their mouths. I mean I can't say this for a fact, but I bet they're following the show. And now instead of claiming defamation, they're claiming uh, medical misinformation. And by the way, you know how YouTube criticizes your. Medical information, it just says that you're questioning or you're saying something that doesn't go align with the official medical narrative. And like that's the way questions work. So, in other words, the entire YouTube policy is just you're not allowed to ask any questions whatsoever. No one in all of humanity is allowed to ask. Even the people in the FDA who just left the FDA because they didn't like the booster policy. Are are those guys allowed to ask questions? Who is allowed to ask questions? Because the official YouTube policy is just anything that questions the official. So, in other words, there's just everything moving forward. There's going to be one official narrative. And if one Weasley fuck reports you for asking a question about the official narrative, that's the end of your channel. So, anyways, I got a new strategy here. Here's what I'm thinking. I want to build out the home studio. I want to keep going live. I like having the, uh, I like doing it live because then, you know, you're just, you just do it and then you're done and it's done. It's over. There's no, there's no edits. If you fumble your words, it doesn't fucking matter. And then I like interacting with, uh, with you folks when you're there live. So here's what I think my new setup is going to be. Once my channel comes back, I will continue going live to YouTube. The podcast version will always just be, you know, out. All you good folks that like listening to the audio version, being at work, good for you. I'm going to get a set schedule. I'm going to start going live. First half is going to be nonsense talk. The second half, which uh, And I'm talking the video part here. The second half, I think I'm going to set up a Patreon so I can just go live. And if there's things that I think would otherwise get censored... Then we'll move over to Patreon or some sort of a paywall-type situation. And then uh, even on shows that has no part that would be considered medical information, medical disinformation, maybe I'll hang out for like a half hour and, you know, what, what, what used to just be the comments between the sections, maybe we'll actually figure out how people can Zoom in live. And this all actually assumes that by next week I still think that this is a good idea. So, you know, this might never happen in practice. It's uh, I'm thinking out loud here. Anyways, let's move on with some uh, other big ideas that I've had. And and uh, Before we get into the news, I, I do have some some issues that I want to address about the world in general. Uh, maybe this is just a Northeast situation, but has anyone else noticed that crickets have gone a little bit louder? And my hearing's not any better. It's not that, like, my ADD is ramped up to the part where, like, I'm more bothered by cricket. I'm not saying I'm even annoyed by crickets. I'm just saying I feel like crickets have somehow gotten louder. I feel like nobody's talking about this. People are too concerned with the coronavirus and and Biden's dementia and whether or not we should have left Afghanistan that no one's talking about. Because if crickets are going to, like, how loud might the crickets get? You know, this might just be the first incarnation of crickets getting louder where if I'm the only person that's noticing it and not enough other people are noticing it, maybe in 10 years from now, we're just going to be walking around. Everyone's going to be talking the way I talk because everyone's going to be trying to yell over these crickets. I'm just saying I'm noticing because my hearing's not better. I, I be my hearing's definitely worse. I noticed that I can't even use one of my ears when I'm on like phone calls. I, anyways, I don't know. I'm just asking you people if anyone else has noticed uh, crickets have gotten, you know, any louder Uh, I also just want to talk out about um, bad dinner. Uh, I don't know if this has happened to any of you guys. But to me, this is like, you should be able to return half-eaten dinner. I don't really know how that would work in practice. But like, you ever have where you actually work at your office and you actually work? you like, I, I know those days are rare, but you actually show up to work and then you actually work. And then you realize, like, oh, my God, it's 7, and I usually don't work this long without snack breaks, and I'm, I'm legitimately hungry. I actually have an appetite. This isn't just me being a fatty and wanting to eat because I'm procrastinating at work and I have nothing to do, so I'm going to eat. This is me actually having been at work all day and not having eaten, so, like, I'm legitimately hungry and I feel like I earned I earn dinner. And then you try a place and it's just it's ter- I think I'm done trying new places. I think like I got a roster of three places and that's it. It's like committed relationship. I'm not testing any new sandwiches. Like unless you're an established sandwich shop or comes with a good recommendation, I'm sticking with what I know because there's nothing worse than when you commit. And all right, here's another thing. I like tacos, everyone likes tacos. The discrepancy in taco places of good to bad is enormous. Like sandwich places, you kind of know what you're getting. I don't even know why bad tacos are so bad, but when they're not good, like they're not, they're not even a little bit good. Like there's there's zero redemptive quality. It's like you're just eating styrofoam off a wall that could be bad chicken. But you're trying to like just imagine that it was a good taco because it comes in a taco shape, it comes in taco form. Um, so I'm just trying to say, in the world of tacos versus sandwiches, a great taco can be very good, but you need a, you need to make sure, like you know sandwiches have a uh, a better distribution that you're more likely if you're walking into a random sandwich place especially if it's deli meats like it's just it's hard to it's hard to 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 fuck up uh deli meats i uh, i also wish that we could live in a world where uh putting cheese on something was more of an opt in than an opt out because it happens to me all the time especially like when you're super hungry and you go to a place and you order your food and then you wait 15 minutes and it shows it and like You just feel like such a dick being like, hey, you guys got to remake this. I clearly said no cheese. I'm going to start. You know what? Maybe I should make a form where I come in and like a legal form. When I order a sandwich, I make the person sign my form that says that I had requested no cheese. So then when they bring it out and it's got the cheese, I can just point to the paperwork and be like, listen, we had a signed agreement here that said that you weren't going to put cheese on my sandwich. Uh, and then you don't come off as the asshole uh, where they're like, You never told me that. And sometimes it's not even on the menu as being listed with cheese. It is their fault for putting that cheese on there, but you didn't have an agreement. You know, so there's no there's no proof. You can't request because most of the time they're just putting it to the system. It's not even like the old waiter system where you can be like, "Hey, can you bring that notebook over here? Open the thing up. You see any? You write down cheese over here. Well, then was this you or the cook? Here's the other thing I'm thinking. This is a good segue. I I, I think for for 2022, I'm working on this. I got to figure out. I'm I'm trying to become a bigger asshole because I just find like I don't I don't say things often enough and it's it's uh it's eating at me. So for 2022. Uh, I'm I, like now I'm just working on like little things like, I, and uh, like with little things, if they, if they annoy me, I speak up and I'm hoping by 22, 22 2023, I can go full Larry David. So for example, I had an incident recently. There's a nice, uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I've been talking about pond life. I like walking up the hill, hanging out by this pond, by my apartment and, uh, trying to do some morning writing with the great outdoors, the, and the turtles by my feet. And, uh, there's one table in this in this fine park establishment, and every once in a while, I go up to the park. People are using the table, and I go, all right, table's not available today, so I move on with my life. Other times, I've been there, and I'm about done with what I do. I see someone showing up. It's like, all right, I feel like they probably wanted to use the table. We're all poor people. We got to share the park. I will give you this table. No problem. Recently, though, I was in the zone. I was hard in the middle of a joke. And it takes a lot to actually get in the zone where, like, you're flowing and you're actually coming up with things that you think will be funny. And some lady shows up with her whole family and asked me if I would share the table. And, like, I just got up, angrily scowled, and said, the table is for you and your family. I wish you the finest of uh, of breakfast at the, at the porch, I mean, at the... Uh, park bench for you know poor people uh but in retrospect i wish i had like you know kind of I, I i mean she was there with her kids how hard of a time was i going to give her but i was pretty annoyed because i was like right in the middle of writing and i was like dude i was here first or you can be like hey how much longer you going to be here for but like when you share the table like how am i are you inviting me to join your picnic is this or like are you guys also going to sit here quietly and just work on jokes like how exactly are you Proposing that we share it, so that's the kind of situation for next year. That maybe, maybe I would give this lady our time. Maybe that's not the best example. Or I had an incident with, uh, with uh, my mom this uh, this past week where, uh, and I'm working on. Like I said, I'm working on. I'm speaking up, speaking up. Uh, so, the one thing that is not cool about comedy is that in some form or fashion, you might keep, uh, you might keep journals, or you might write things down that like. Firstly, bombing on stage sucks. Like when you think you had something that was funny and then the audience is like that's not funny, that 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 sucks. And that and that's what you thought was good enough to bring to the stage. You can only imagine how horrible some of the things you jot down in a notebook are. Some of the things you write down, it's, like, more embarrassing than a journal entry. If there's one thing that you wouldn't want people to see, I don't even have, have like, uh, uh, comedy notebooks anymore. My system has been that I put it all into Google Docs uh, because prior to that I was just writing it onto computers and onto phones, and the amount of comedy content I've lost, like, over the years of lost phones or lost. But then again, I also, I once heard uh, Bill Burr say this, and I... this, I don't know how interesting uh, comedy talk is for you guys, so we're not going to be on it for too long. I once heard him say that, like, if it's not fresh in your mind, it probably wasn't that good, anyways. So you almost have like a natural—I don't know that he put in these terms. Let me not speak for Bill Burr. Let me just talk about these old. I have comedy notebooks that were in my house, uh, like in drawers, probably from eight, nine years ago. We're talking about early open micer, just the worst garbage stuff that you would never in your life want anyone to see or read. And it was kind on me because I guess I probably should have gone through my room and gotten rid of all this stuff so that nobody could see it. But then I also figured these are drawers in my room. uh, And no one. Anyways, my mom decided to go through and collect all of these things and put them into a box. And so I open up the box and right on the top page, which, by the way, top page was a hilarious college doodle. And I'm going to start putting out some of my Uh, Because now I have them, like the notebooks from college with some of these doodles on the side of the page. And like just the the first page right on top is that there's some math problem. And then there's this dude sketch where a gator had attacked his dick. And he's talking about that there's a gator on his dick. And then his wife is yelling at him that he better try and get that gator off. So right off the bat, I open up the box, and then I laugh. And then the next page is just, like, horrible sex commentary. My mom's a religious—I was like, oh, my God, was I embarrassed. So anyways, I'm, I'm thinking about opening up a business. Uh, if you guys want to invest in it, here's what I'm thinking. If you're, like, a single dude, and or you're just a person that lives alone, and you die unexpectedly, which means, like, you're not old, and you didn't have cancer— Somebody comes to your house and it cleans up the house before your family gets to the house. Just gets rid of, because I'm sure everyone in the world who's living alone has some shit that they have no interest in anybody seeing. So somebody comes and they make it just look like you like, maybe you just have trash all over the place. Maybe you're living like a hoarder. Maybe you got a sex doll and crack, or maybe you're Hunter Biden. You got crack and Asian kids. I'm not judging. I'm not telling you what you may or may not have in your house that you wouldn't want other people to see. I'm just thinking that it would be good to have a service that came into your house and it cleared all that. It could call it could call it, be remembered for being a human. You know, I work in sales and marketing. I should come up with better names beforehand, but it's just a service that clears out everything that's in your apartment that you wouldn't want uh, other people to see before then your family comes in to like look through your shit and, you know, basically clean out your apartment for real. But then they get to see a fake version of your apartment. I think my point's been made. We can move on. Let's talk about the news. First is oh no no I had one more uh, uh, one more random thing oh masks they're like starting to enforce this fucking mask thing in my area again which for the most part I walk into a place until they tell me otherwise but for a while because I'm very disorganized I would I kept going somewhere and then I kept buying more masks but I would buy them with my groceries then I bring them into the house and then I'd be in my car and I show up to a place. And then realize I didn't have a mask, and then they have a sign there, fucking mandates. Like, you're a store and you sell stuff. Why not sell me a mask at the door? Like, you want people coming in. Why would you send people away because they forgot their mask? You can sell the mask. That, that is a high demand situation where I'm showing up. I want lunch. You're, you're the lunch deli. I'm in, I'm in desperate need for some fucking lunch right now. And you're going to send me home to get my mask to come back here and get lunch. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to another place. That's not going to make me get a mask. So just sell them at the door, like have a sign mask mandate, but we'll sell you masks. And then by the time you get there, you know, what do what you, they wouldn't sit at the cash register. They could probably just sell you the sandwich and a government official comes. You'd be like, yeah, we were selling. Cause at some point, if you got to buy a mask, right, you're going to have to be in a store without a mask. Otherwise what, what is there an official mandate that you got to shop online or what are you supposed to, to suddenly do arts and crafts and make some homemade mask before you go to a store. Like I'm just saying, it's like a chicken and egg situation. If I'm gonna have to wear a mask at the store, I'm gonna have to go to a store to buy a mask. So all of not mask stores, cause there's no mask store. There's no place that just sells masks. That's like, you know, roadside. Hey, before you go everyone else, like it's like almost tickets at a carnival. You need the tick of the t- Like, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, Do you guys uh, remember the movies or ever see the movies Dazed and Confused or uh, American uh, Graffiti? American Graffiti was, uh, what's his name? George Lucas's first movie and uh, people love it. I don't get why it's such a good movie. Dazed and Confused was also one of those movies in uh, like when you first smoke and we everyone's like, yeah, you guys are Dazed and Confused, man. Such a good movie. Also not that good of a movie. One thing I did take away from those movies though, was that they are both pre cell phones and what i noticed about those movies is that and obviously i wasn't i didn't live during those times i don't know if it was reality but it seems that you know high school kids looking for just to see what their friends are up to or to hang out have to be out of their houses because there's no way to coordinate by cell phone to text to see what people are up to or there's no version of pretending like you have friends because you're hanging out on facebook or there's no aol instant messenger where you're just sitting at home and messaging 15 of your friends so it would seem that in those time periods in some capacity if you wanted to see what people are up to i guess you could call their Parents' house type thing? Remember having to do that? Having to talk to some parent in order to try and talk to your friend? Man, is that a blast from the past? And like, especially if you're a shy kid and you're embarrassed, like trying to get past the parent, or you call that one awkward parent who thinks he's cool and wants to crack jokes with you, and you're just like shitting your pants, trembling. Like, can you just put my fucking friend on the fucking phone? Anyways, in those movies, because they didn't have the cell phones, it seems that they spent more time out of the house and maybe even hung out more because he had no choice but to kind of drive around town and cruise and see what people were up to. Now in both those movies you're kind of talking about upper middle class white kids that have cars, so maybe the kids without cars, they're just sitting at home back in those days and they were fucking playing solitaire with their moms and it was the most miserable thing ever, and then at least the internet came around and the people that would have been playing solitaire with their moms can jerk off in their basements and that is a grand improvement from solitaire with your mom. I'm not a historical expert here. I'm just talking about two movies that I didn't even like. Anyways, we've all heard, like, people say to us back in my day... And they're always talking about something, and it seems like it wasn't even good. Like back in my day, we didn't have uh, you know TV and move, We didn't have TV in the houses, so we had to go to the movie theater on Sundays for the double features, and and it was great. Or if we wanted to meet women, we went to we went to the the dances. And like sometimes you hear these wholesome things, and they just sound like absolutely terrible. But I'm thinking kind of like you know what I'm saying with Days and Confused or American Graffiti. Like, who knows? We weren't there. Maybe it was better. But then I was thinking, we're going to be the first group of people telling our kids, like, back in my day, you could talk to someone without a mask, and you didn't need to get a shot every two minutes. Uh, and old people, when I was growing up, they didn't get Alzheimer's till they were like 85. And you could even fuck a lady when she was on her period. It wasn't like a river. And uh, when they weren't bleeding out of their vaginas, uh, women, if you were having sex, they could just get pregnant. I mean, pregnancies were so often... That uh, they even needed places for abortions. So I'm just saying we might be the uh, first generation that like will you know have a and and by the way the next generation of kids when we're trying to describe to them living without masks they might not even realize how good that was. They might be like what are you talking about? You were just walking around and breathing in other people's airs and being exposed to their germs. Um, all right, now we could talk about some actual news. I'm gonna highlight a bunch of recent, what I would say is uh, pretty amazing propaganda pieces. And this isn't going on to uh, YouTube, so I can I can call it for what it is. The first is I'm going to play you uh, a song. I don't even know. I, I don't know where this came from. I'm not up on all the culture. I just saw somebody post it. Uh, it's two people, and uh, it, I, they would strike me like they were 80... 80s hip-hop people, uh, and they're doing their their fancy dances, and they got a good backdrop beat. They clearly got good voices, and they're selling this thing. So here, I'm going to play it for you.
1: You can relax knowing that there is no poison in the vaccine. Isn't that right, James? It sure is, Amber. (laughs) No poison. In fact, we have a song for all those who may still be on the fence about
2: getting vaccinated.
1: effect. Are you ready, James? I'm ready. You ready, Amber? Yeah, I'm ready. America, are you? <laughs> Girl, I must warn you I sense that you're causing lots of harm Situation is serious Let's <laughs> cure it
3: with two shots in the arm
1: so deathly
3: They believe it cause they aren't very smart
1: huh. Check it out It's driving me out of my mind Common sense is hard for them to find Fox News got into their heads information Now some of them did There is no poison Yeah, there is no poison.
0: Well, you got to give it to them for a catchy tune and for having good voices. And maybe you guys can go find this online and they're uh, pretty great dancers. But was anyone claiming there was poison? I mean, I'm not saying you should take the thing. I'm not even saying that there, there might not be side effects down the road. But I don't remember anybody going, hey, there's poison inside of those vaccines uh, and maybe this is just going to be the new way that we get bad news. It's going to be this new dystopian reality where it doesn't matter how bad the news is. They're pretty great at being up there and singing and dancing and, you know, just selling it to you as if it's the most cheerful of like, stay inside your homes. I'm not going to try and sing because it's terrible, but I'm, I'm other people, you know, it's going to be bad news but everything will be a TikTok dance. So you're, you're going to feel okay about it. You'll be like, oh yeah, I did, I did like staying inside my homes and wearing a mask. And on that note, this flows perfectly with just listen to the tonality of this individual um, talking about what we need to do to continue to combat uh, the coronavirus. Here we go
3: first is to mandate vaccinations on planes and trains, places that he has jurisdiction over. There are a lot of people who are still on the fence about getting vaccinated. And if they know that they have to be vaccinated in order to travel, to see friends and family, to do business travel, et cetera, that can really put them over the edge. The second thing is we really need to get behind a proof of vaccination system. We know that the honor code doesn't work. You don't board a plane. Let's say you don't go to the airport and say, I am who I say I am. I don't have to show you any identification, I don't have to put my things through the metal detector. We don't allow that and we shouldn't allow people to carry around pieces of paper that can be easily faked as well. We need a national proof of a vaccination system. And the third is I really hope that President Biden will explore all other avenues including tying federal funding to try to um, help uh, push states that are not even allowing for schools to do mask mandates, for example. We really need to do something about that because it's just uncommon unconscionable that there are states that are putting kids lives in danger and forcing them into a herd immunity experiment that they didn't sign up for
0: it's just said with such a smile you can go look her up it's a dr uh lena Wen, and it's just it's with such a smile we're just we're gonna keep everybody inside of their homes and unless you comply and give all of your information over to us you won't be able to leave Isn't that great? Doesn't everybody want to live in a world where unless you're fully compliant, then you don't get to have freedoms? Doesn't that sound like something that all of you out there want? Isn't that right, boys and girls? Don't you want government mandating how you live every aspect of your lives? How creepy is that? Just said with such a smile, and I've got don't think I'm done with all of the propaganda pieces. Here's another fun one. This one's not as bad. It's not on uh it's not on the COVID stuff, but this was Democrat Senator Joe Manchin on why he doesn't support the 3.5 trillion dollar reconciliation package. Um and so I will play a brief segment of him on CNN. Explaining why uh, he has uh, been okay with uh, previous stimulus, why he's even okay with the concept of stimulus, but why the $3.5 trillion uh, struck him as a high number. Let's give this a quick listen.
1: That you wrote, you said you cannot support the $3.5 trillion dollar bill until you get, quote, greater clarity on why that amount is necessary. Most of your colleagues have been trying to give you that clarity over the past uh, couple of weeks since you wrote that. You're...
0: I'll just pause for one second that off the bat, you can see her angle here when she says, you said that you need clarity, but everyone's trying to give you the clarity. Why Why isn't that you aren't clear? Let's continue.
1: Party leader, Chuck Schumer, says he's moving, quote, full speed ahead with this package. Will he have your vote?
2: And that's fine. He can't. He will not have my vote on 3.5, and Chuck knows that. And we've talked about this. Um We've already put out five point four trillion and we've tried to help Americans in every way we possibly can. And a lot of the help that we put out there is still there and it's going to run clear until next year, twenty twenty two. What's the urgency? What's the urgency that we have? It's not the same urgency that we have with the American Rescue Plan. We got that out the door quickly. That was about two billion dollars, two trillion. And on top of that, you know, all the things we put out with the cares package, everything leading up to that. So we have done an awful lot, and there's still an awful lot of people that need help, but you have eleven million jobs that aren't filled right now. Eight million people are still unemployed. Something's not matching up. Don't you think we ought to hit the pause and find out the vulnerability that we have Dana? right now? We don't know what happened with this COVID. It's awful coming back the way it is with the vengeance. We don't know about inflation. We know it's running rampant right now. I can tell you in West Virginia, inflation's running rampant. And on top of that, the challenges we're going to have, geopolitical challenges, shouldn't we be prepared?
0: So I want So let's just pause for a second. The guy's saying, hey, listen, I'm not against stimulus, but we spent a lot of money. The money that we've already allocated, all of it hasn't been spent. And we might have inflation and we might have things that we need to spend money on down the road. Why don't we just take a minute before we spend a ton of money? Even amongst the liberals, does that sound like a crazy answer to you as to why he's hesitant to approve spending another $3.5 trillion? Sounds somewhat reasonable. Let's see what the anchor has to say.
1: Wanna ask you about a lot of that, but are you saying it's the price tag, it's the timeline,
2: both? It's the urgency. Do we have the urgency to do what, what they're wanting to do in such a quick period of time?
1: But can you can you be specific? Okay, let's just let's talk about the, the dollar sign. Yeah. Do you have a specific number in mind? Here's a
2: number you should be getting to. First of all, I have agreed to get on to the reconciliation because that's the time for us to make financial adjustments mm-hmm. and changes. I thought the twenty seventeen tax Tax code and tax law, the way it was changed, was very, very, very unfair, and it was weighted to the heavy, to the wealthy. So what's the number? And the bottom line is, what the number would be, What what's going to be competitive in our tax code? I believe that the corporate rate should be at 25, not 21.
1: But what's the overall
0: number for the budget I, you know, bill?
2: I think that you're going to have to look at it.
0: Okay, here's what's so great about that, that line of questioning, is that it's a good line of questioning hey, I want a specific number. Hey, you're dodging my question. I want a specific number. Okay, you're dodging my question. Give me a specific number. Here's the two issues. One, you never see them actually grill people when they share the same opinion as them, which is essentially whatever the deep state and propaganda, in my opinion, wants to get past. But okay, sit down Bernie Sanders and ask him why specifically $3.5 trillion. Okay, you're trying to get a giant stimulus package spent here and so, if we're going to spend that much money, you must have really done your homework. Can you explain to me why specifically it needs to be 3.5 trillion? Okay, but if we need to help people, why not 4 trillion? Or why can't you get this done with 2 trillion? Why specifically 3? But that isn't that no one because we're all in loony land. If this guy was going to give you any number, it would also be a loony number because the idea, like yeah, if you were to sit down and go, I think 2 trillion would be better, he'd have a hard time explaining to you why 2 trillion would be better than 3.5 trillion because the think anyone has a handle over where that money is going to go and what the perfect amount of stimulus would be to actually get programs done because they're not actually going to happen. Like, in other words, there is no answer to this question. And to me, it just kind of showcases that if you're on their if you're on their side, they'll make you look good. And if you're not, then all of a sudden you get the impossible questions that nobody would answer because, you know, they're always in Looney land. All right. Here was another uh, article that I wanted to. Uh, oh, here's just another um, thing I noticed anyone, uh, uh, see that Fauci hasn't quite been fired or grilled or even a lot of reporting on what we saw, which is that clearly the guy knew and funded, uh, you know, gain of function research in the will lab. And that even though Rand Paul gave him the, uh, Option to retract his statements that he wouldn't be caught lying to Congress. He said, "No, I stand by it. We've already called this out that he pulled the Bill Clinton move, where he's trying to redefine what he did as not being gain of function, even though it clearly is gain of function research." But it was the Intercept put out that uh, those pieces, which we had commented on part of the problem. But I'm saying I believe that that was about two weeks ago. Uh, Fauci's still there, and I haven't seen any real news coverage on that whatsoever, certainly haven't seen people, other politicians coming after him. Uh, and that is fascinating to me that a storyline that juicy would get close to zero coverage whatsoever. Okay. Now I want to read you guys an AP news article. Um, and before we do, um, A couple weeks ago, me and Steven in our second edition of COVID Misinformation, and by the way, I will be having Steven um, again on probably next week, but one of the pieces of evidence that we looked at to say, hey, I don't think these vaccines should have been brought to market or certainly there shouldn't be mandates upon them, was the Pfizer pretrial data that would indicate that there was no evidence that there was any utility for the vaccination whatsoever. The reason I say no evidence is because when you looked at the um, trial groups of the vaccinated and unvaccinated, they had similar um, events of both death and adverse reactions. And we also pointed out that most of the deaths didn't occur because of people getting COVID. And when we read that, it seemed like it was the bombshell evidence that these things, that there shouldn't be mandates around these vaccines and that there wasn't good trial data that it should have been pushed upon anybody or maybe even brought to market. A fan sent me an article trying to rebuke that, and I want to read it to you because I read this as a confirmation on that analysis. Now, before we read this, just to call myself out for being full of shit, what's somewhat interesting about the shots at this current juncture in time is that it seems like the actual real-world usage data is better than the trial data. So I just want to I want to repeat that again because we're going to look at some of the real-world data. We pointed out that when this came to market, it would appear that it kind of came to market under false terms of it, be, of, it, of it having utility. And we read the actual Pfizer trial data, which seemed to showcase that it had zero utility. And so we've just got to kind of, um, I guess there is nuance here. So I want to point out the nuance that that is a fair criticism of this product. Now, it could be all that ends well is well, and that the actual real-world data is better than the trial data. It doesn't change the fact that, that that you know six months ago when I was saying, hey, like this was wrong, I, I was probably right during that time period, and I also was probably right about the analysis of this actual document. In a minute, we're going to get to whether or not the real-world data looks different, and I will do more with that uh, with Steven next week. I just want to point out that this is a little bit nuanced, that... I was saying that their own trial data did not showcase that there was a utility to this and it was still being sold as though uh, it was going to, you know, not only save lives, but that we needed mandates around it to make sure that every single person got it. So if you guys don't remember that piece of content, I still have a highlight um, up on my Instagram, Robbie the fire. It's maybe a 10 minute clip. If you haven't seen it, it's certainly worth watching. Uh, And then the full video and um, my two episodes with Steven are still available on uh, in podcast form and on YouTube. But this is a uh, AP article and it says post misrepresents Pfizer data on vaccine efficacy. All right, here we go. Claim because 14 people in Pfizer's placebo group died and 15 people in the vaccinated group also died. Pfizer's data shows its COVID-19 vaccine does not reduce the risk of dying from the disease. AP assessment false. Those figures, by the way, I just want to tell you in sales, they're priming you by just saying, hey, off the bat, this isn't true. Well, let's continue. AP assessment, false. Those figures reflect deaths from all causes during Pfizer's ongoing study of its vaccine. Pfizer's data shows that the vaccine is highly effective at preventing serious illness. Data from countries that have used the vaccine widely shows it's also effective at preventing death from COVID-19. Now, I want to point out real world data might suggest that their actual study data, um, I would ask the author of this, where does the data in that study show that the vaccine was highly um, effective at preventing serious illness. Let's continue the facts last week's Pfizer released updated data from its uh, vaccine study showing that as of mid-March, the shots were 97% effective in preventing severe deaths from COVID-19 up to six months later off the bat. That's no longer true. The most recent data um, out of Israel is I believe after six months, it's at 77. And then by month seven, it's down to about 44%. So just off of the most recent data That line is not true, let's continue. The data also showed the shots efficacy against COVID. Am I I pronouncing that word right? I have no idea. I'm retarded. No one should listen to me. Um, The shots efficacy against COVID-19 symptoms dropped slightly with time. It peaked at 96% after two months, and the shots administered and fell to 84% after six months. The most recent data, I do not believe, would be in line with what they just said there. The Food and Drug Administration granted emergency use authorization for the company's vaccine in December 2020 after reviewing earlier data from Pfizer's ongoing study, which included 44 4,000 participants. The data Pfizer released on July 28th includes six months of follow-up data that is required to get full FDA approval. It is expected that in any long-term study, some participants will die. Clinical trials have to monitor deaths that occurred during the study as a way to watch for any potential red flags. Pfizer study states the 14 people in the placebo group and 15 people in the vaccinated group died before January of 2020, 20, 2021. The vast majority of the deaths were unrelated to COVID-19. So let's just stop for one second and say that in trying to argue against what I had said, they are confirming that the reading of the pretrial data is accurate, that there were 14 deaths in the placebo group and 15 deaths in the vaccinated group. So let's just understand that that was not accurate reading and that was an accurate claim. Let's continue though. Only two people in the placebo group died of COVID-19 and one person in the vaccinated group died of COVID-19 pneumonia. According to the additional Pfizer data obtained by the Associated Press, the rest of the deaths were due to other factors, including heart disease and heart attacks. Now I believe that we had pointed this out to say that yes, most of the deaths were not related to COVID-19. But the point is, in their own trial data, there wasn't enough death from COVID-19, right? That we really needed something to prevent against death. And the thing that you got us for preventing against death didn't really make that much of a difference. Even here, they're saying, what was it? Only two people in the placebo group died of COVID-19 and one person in the vaccinated group died of COVID-19. So it's two against one. There was still, you know, uh, I guess it cut your deaths in half by 50% related to COVID-19. But of 44,000 people, do we need a mandate or uh, a new technology for one death out of 44,000? I don't know. maybe maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe one death out of forty four thousand because usually you look at a hundred thousand or I guess stated differently, if you were to take, and now I'm thinking out loud, but essentially, if you were to double those numbers, so you get closer to the one hundred thousand, uh, which is the metric that they usually look at. So I guess you'd be preventing I, I, I guess if everyone's taking this per every one hundred thousand, you might be cutting down your deaths by fifty percent. However, it does like, is that good enough data to say is an absolute that for every group of 44,000 people, you're going to have a, you know, two deaths to one. Like, I would just say that that doesn't seem like good enough data. Now we're going down a wormhole of me thinking out loud. When I came into this with a very clear thought, I had, I had a prosecutor's analysis for reconfirming. I should have done this at the top of the show when I was fresh as hell and I didn't tell dumb jokes. Um, here's the point I'm making. They are confirming our reading of this document that their trial data did, in fact, show that it was 15 versus 14. If you're going to make a mandate that everyone has to take a vaccine, I would think it was because people that there was widespread death and the thing that you were giving actually prevented widespread death your own trial data would suggest, hey, there's not widespread death. And this thing that we're requiring you to take doesn't make that much of a difference. Because if there was widespread death and this made a giant impact, your numbers would be much higher. Like if we had a thing that was actually killing off people in droves. So let's just say, let's say that there was literally, you know, the like, uh, uh, I I, I don't know. You had an actual deadly virus that if you exposed 100,000 people to it, Uh, half of those people are going to die. We're we're looking at a black plague type situation where legitimately this is a horrible, horrible virus. And if you get exposed to this, very few people are going to survive it. But look, we've got a cure. And if if people are taking this cure, we're going to be able to significantly drop that number from 50% to that only 10% of people who get exposed are going to survive. So let's just run through those numbers. That would mean that if you had a a trial data of, um, let's say, 200,000 people, to keep the math simple, 100,000 people are treated, 100,000 people aren't treated. So in the treatment group, right? 50,000 people are going to survive and the untreated group only 10,000 people are going to survive after being exposed to the virus. Then you go, holy shit, we can be saving 40,000 out of every 100,000 people that take this thing. This thing has a lot of utility to it. But if you do a trial data... And at the end of it, no one in either group are really dying of COVID-19 whatsoever. It doesn't sound like we necessarily need something. And it also doesn't sound like you have the evidence that what you have is working particularly well or that government needs to make mandates for it. So all I'm telling you is that It seemed that when we were reading that Pfizer thing, we must have had it wrong, that there was no way that they did worldwide mandates or US wide mandates around a trial data where the deaths were basically equal within the two groups. Uh, but according to this rebuttal, which points out, as we had also pointed out that most of the deaths were not actually from COVID-19, um, like. Yes. You've, you've actually just confirmed what we were reading. Let me just finish this article and sorry if that wasn't as clear as I thought it was going to be. The report states that none of the deaths were related to the vaccine. A widely shared Twitter um, post misrepresented the significance of the death numbers to falsely suggest those deaths meant the Pfizer vaccine doesn't reduce a person's chance of dying from the virus. No, I would state it differently. If you had a trial data to prove that this thing worked, where's the evidence of it working? this would suggest that it did not prevent death. Like I get that most of the deaths were not related to COVID-19, but where's the evidence of this saving people? Where's the evidence that this saved a large majority of people, that it would be something that government might step in and say, hey, I don't want you dying out there. I don't care if you're such a dumbass that you're not as good as assessing risk. I'm gonna mandate that you take this. The pivotal, this back to the article, the pivotal clinical trial for the Pfizer COVID vaccine, by the way, this is also them referring to this document as the pivotal clinical trial for the, okay, the pivotal clinical trial for the Pfizer COVID-19 um, vaccine shows it does nothing to reduce the overall risk of death. Zero, 15 patients who received the vaccine died, 14 who received the p- placebo died, the Twitter the tweet reads, but those death figures, which include everyone in the study who died before January 2021 are relevant to the question of how efficient the vaccine is at preventing COVID-19 death. Okay. Then I'll repeat the question. So what evidence do you have of this vaccine working well? If this is your trial data, I get that it doesn't prove that, uh, it doesn't prove that the vaccine like kills people or that the vaccine, I I mean, you don't really need to prove that the vaccine doesn't work. If you're going to tell me that I have to take something, where's the evidence that it does work? I would say the burden of proof is on you. So where in this trial data does it prove that this thing does work? Let's continue. The claim made in Twitter post is not supported by these data, said Dr. J., Dr. Day, uh, David J. Uh, Senemo, an infectious disease expert at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. The fact that both the vaccinated group and the control group had a similar number of deaths from the cause of other than COVID-19 is to be expected. To exact, okay, so in other words, you're telling me that you have something that is going to be incredible at saving lives, and it's expected that if you give it to 20,000 people and you don't give it to the other 20,000 people, it's expected that deaths are going to be the same. Let, let me repeat that. We think we have something that can save an extraordinary amount of people's lives, but you also expect that if you give it to 20,000 people and you don't give it to another 20,000 people, deaths are going to be the same. Okay, okay, Mr. Professor, I get it. I'm not a doctor. I'm a person uh, just spewing medical misinformation. Who's too much of a de- uh, of a dumbass to question the scientist? But why don't you explain that one to me? Let's continue to exaggerate the example for learning the Pfizer vaccine doesn't protect you from lightning strikes. So equal numbers of people in the vaccine and the placebo control group should get hit by lightning. I'm not sure if I follow that. All right. I think I've read enough of this article. If you are interested here, I will tell you it is AP News and it's by uh, our Regita our Logica and its post misrepresents Pfizer data on vaccine efficacy. All right. Let's continue. I have other interesting articles that I would like to read for you. Um, So, uh, you know, yeah, let's stay on the topic of the vaccine stuff. Um, Here's a particular case that if you have any information on it, please hit me up. I I know that there's a joke in here and I was following this one while it was happening. And now I can't quite find the articles or good information about it. There was a Hill article about a lady um, who advocated her husband, I believe, is in a coma because uh, maybe even a medically induced coma because he's so sick with COVID-19. he She sues the hospital to force the hospital to treat her husband with ivermectin. Now you got a hus- your husband and he's dying of COVID-19. I would think at that point, any request you make, if the guy's in a coma, like if you say, hey, I want to come in here and pee in the guy's mouth, like, I don't know, it, at this point, it doesn't seem like the doctors have all that much that they can do. I guess if they're telling you like, listen, he's got to just stay in this coma for a week and then he's going to be fine because we got a way of like dealing with this so there's no reason for you to be peeing in his mouth then i would get keeping the lady from peeing in the mouth but if they got absolutely nothing going on and she's like this guy really liked me peeing in his mouth and i feel like even if he's in a coma he should be able to experience that once more like that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's your husband. I'm just saying I feel like you should have a little bit of control over your own medical care, especially the entire basis for the emergency authorization is, hey, people are uh, this thing's really deadly and people are going to die anyways. So we might as well go with something that would otherwise be risky. So in this case, if there's a treatment that might work and you want to take the risk of going, hey, this guy's dying anyways, why don't we try it? It wouldn't think you would need judge's orders in order to mandate that the person has to get it. Now here's where the story gets really crazy. About four days later, I believe it's four days later, I don't know if I have this time period right, because like I said, I can't find these, all these articles. Another judge reverses the order, right, and takes the guy off the ivermectin treatment and says that you cannot force a hospital to treat someone with ivermectin. Now here's the craziest part about this entire story. In that time period, the guy's life got saved and he got better. It would seem that the ivermectin actually worked. It saved this guy's life. And even though it saved the guy's life, another judge comes around and says, we can't be doing this. We can't be giving ivermectin people that would otherwise, it's like the real world evidence is that this guy was dying and then he took this substance and then all of a sudden he's back to being okay. And a judge still stepped in and said, by order of law, even if you want to take this medication, a hospital can't give it to you. Now, I'm sure maybe maybe the guy just spontaneously snapped out of his uh, out of his coma and it has nothing to do with the ivermectin. I'm, I, I, I put you guys to the task. If you can find more information about this, the original article was in The Hill. I will read you guys the headline. Um, and then the secondary, I don't remember. I saw the secondary article. I promise I didn't make this up though. Um, so here was the title of the article judge orders, resistant hospital to treat COVID-19 patient with horse medication. Um, and if you guys have more information on that one, I thought it was fascinating. Okay. Now I want to get into some of the latest numbers on, um, on COVID. So I was saying online that I was frustrated because I was trying to find recent data of the splits between vaxxed and unvaxxed death and illness, and that it seemed to me that it was very difficult to find that information. So first is, here is a recent article out of Israel where they've been keeping uh, better data on breakthrough cases, and they also have Uh, A very high majority of their country that was vaccinated mostly through Pfizer. And so typically speaking, they have been ahead of us in terms of offering good data. So here I'm going to read a little bit of this article for you. Health Ministry chief says coronavirus spread reaching record heights as over 10,000 new cases are diagnosed. Nachman Ash tells lawmakers he hoped recent downward trend would continue. Oh, you know what? Before I read this article, um, let's take a moment and plug some of our sponsors, Yo Kratom and Yo Delta. If you want to know how it is that I can have the focus to sit down, read these articles, and put down an entire show, it's because when I take time off, I take time off, and I do it with Yo Kratom and Yo Delta, which relaxes the hell out of me. What's Yo Delta? Well, uh, if you're over the age of 21, you're living in the states where it's legal, they can ship you. Delta THC right to your door. You can get it in gummies. You can get it in vapes. And let me tell you, you can go ask the people that came out for the smoke-out, bug-out. That shit will get you high. I gave out some gummies to the good folks in the crowd. I uh, warned them about the potency. I told them to be responsible. By the end of the show, I had these people were licking their hands. They're, they were looking for more meatball parms. Some of them were passed down in their seats. I mean, this was this was a high crowd. And, and they, were, they, were, they were the giggly high. They went through all the cycles of a good high. There was one guy I was trying to leave, and he was just like staring at the mirror in the bathroom. I'd be like, "Hey, do you mind if I pee in the?" He was just lost. That's how high the people were getting. Uh, so, if you want to know my magical superpower of how I can focus and get work done, it's because when I relax, I really relax, and that's by the courtesy of the Yo Family brands of Yo Kratom, Yo Delta. You go to yodelta.com and use my promo code RYM. You're going to get 20% off. Now let's continue with this article. Health Ministry Director General Nachman Ash said Tuesday that the current wave of coronavirus infections is surpassing anything seen in previous outbreaks and that he is disappointed that a recent downward trend appeared to be reversing. Ash remarks via video call to the Knesset Constitution Law and Justice Committee came as health ministry figures showed that over 10,000 new COVID-19 cases were diagnosed the day before and the positive test rate was climbing. Pointing out that there is an average of 8,000 new infections each day with occasional peaks over 10,000, he said, that is a record that did not exist in the previous waves, including the massive third wave at the end of last year. Ash expressed some pessimism, though he observed that bellying fears and there, was, there wasn't there a large spike in infections following last week's Rosh Hashanah holiday, the Jewish New Year, or the opening of the school year at the beginning of the month. After bringing daily infections down to little more than a dozen a day in June, Israel has been battling to control a resurgence of COVID-19 and what has been its fourth wave of infections since the start of the global pandemic. Let's pause for a second. Just the vibe I'm getting from this article is that they vaccinated a lot of the country and they're seeing that Corona is just as bad as it's ever been. I don't have the actual numbers in front of me to tell you where infections were at the beginning of wave one uh, pre vaccinations versus now. But based off of what I'm reading in this article, it appears that as much as they have vaccinated, it doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot. Let's continue. A week ago, we were in a clear downward trend in recent days. We've been seeing the decline stop and the virus reproduction number is again above one. Ash said that of the I don't know what our numbers are. I hope that we would see a clearer drop, but we still are not seeing it. Ash noted the number of serious ill ranges between 600 and 700. Every day, 70 to 80 new patients fall serious ill, slightly fewer than in recent weeks. Let's read two more paragraphs. The number of patients on ventilators has climbed in the past 10 days from 150 to 190, while the number of those on more critical ECMO machines rose from 23 to 31. All right, I don't think there's any more clear information here of whether or not we're looking at, and you guys can go read this article for yourself. If I'm being objective, I guess the interesting information is uh, how many of these people are vaxxed versus unvaxxed, and what are these numbers in comparison to pre-vaccination times. The overall read that I'm getting from that article is that uh, it would appear that despite being heavily vaccinated, they are still in what might be considered by these people who like to panic about things to be a pandemic environment. The other interesting information is that in England, between the age group of 40 to 79, there have been more COVID cases in the vaxxed than the unvaxxed. Now, before we say that that is clear data that the vaccines are not working... I do not know how much AstraZeneca usage there was in England to say whether or not that is a relevant figure for um, analysis of US vaccinations. Okay, so then I continued to try and do some digging into US to see basically if over the last three months we would have data of vaxxed versus unvaxxed breakthrough cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Now, let's just talk about breakthrough cases because sometimes I see flip-flopping where they where they go from, hey, this prevents more serious illness, like you would have gotten sicker, and then other times they start going, well, the good thing about it is that there's less cases. Off the bat, cases don't matter. Uh, or at least in my opinion, someone else can explain to me maybe cases means more of an opportunity for mutations. I would think cases, if people are not getting seriously sick or dying, then who cares how many people get the cold? Who cares? It doesn't matter. If no one's getting sick or dying, I don't understand why we would be concerned with cases. I think the issue here is whether or not people are going to the hospital, and then if they are going to the hospital, whether or not they're dying. Of course, the hospitalization figure has the kicker that we've discovered that 50% of people being registered thus far as being COVID hospitalizations were not really there because of issues related to COVID-19. Okay. Let's go back to what I was trying to say. The issue is going to be hospitalizations and deaths. Now, I could not find, like, numbers within the U.S., of like over the last three months, which to me, you go back to January, people were in vaxxed. so then you're not going to get good numbers. And then also if Steven's theory is right, that the vaccine would not work well against a variant. It's not so much that the utility is falling off after six months as much as we're now dealing with a variant and the vaccine would not work as well for a variant. So then the really relevant information is going to be basically June, July and August when we're dealing with the Delta variant. I did, however, have some fans hit me up with some very localized um, data from a couple hospitals that did release the splits of incidents between vaxed and unvaxed. And in the real world environment, it does seem like there is some utility to the vaccines. What I'm seeing at an eye shot, and I, I like. By the way, there's been some weeks where I've read through things with a very careful and critical eye. My snapshot from the couple data that I received from select hospitals, which does not mean that this is necessarily true for everywhere in the country. It could be that there were select hospitals that saw data very different than what would be for the entire country. Um, But the eyeball I'm seeing, it's basically a 10x ratio of unvaxxed sick. Like if there's one death of like this, the way to read that 10x stat, if I have it right, is basically for every single death of a vaccinated individual, you're going to have 10 deaths for non-vax. There is 10 times more illness and death amongst unvaxed individuals. I found an article off of go local, um, prov.com. Uh, the actual, uh, title of this article is going to be misguided decision by FDA advisory committee. Now this is a very interesting article where he is arguing for, um, Booster shots. Now, I might have gotten unbelievably good at cherry picking information and living in a feedback loop where I can read a long article and just harp on the one thing that seems to prove my case. Maybe I will uh, stop being so honest and we'll get to a point in time where I'm just like the world's greatest Alex Jones type person. But here, I just want to read one thing that I came across from this guy's article. And by the way, as a guy who's frequently trying to find all the medical information, this guy lays out a bunch of uh, very interesting highlights. Okay, so let me read you a piece from here. So at one point, he says another CDC study this week showed that 18% of COVID cases, 14% of hospitalizations, and 16% of deaths are now occurring in fully vaccinated people. This is a substantial increase from the 5 to 8% infection, hospitalization, and death rates seen just two months before. This is additional real-world evidence of diminishing vaccine protection. Now, according to this guy, it's the fact that people need to get vaccinated every six months. Maybe Stephen is correct, and the real reason why there's an increase is because it doesn't actually work that well for Delta. The other thing that's interesting is, so if we just went from... Um, uh, firstly, we're already looking at 18% of COVID cases, which is a lot different than uh, I guess before when they were saying 95%. Well, actually, let me just read this again. 14% of hospitalizations and 16% of deaths are now occurring in fully vaccinated people. So let's go with that 16 number. So the way that they like to report the news. So before they were saying only 5% of deaths, cause they were, they weren't saying 5% of deaths are in people that are vaccinated. They were saying 95% of all deaths are unvaccinated, right? So that means that in just one month. There are. This is the way they like to report information. The headline would be: There are three times, according to the CDC, there are three times more deaths in Ju- in 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 July than there were in September and June, or since the last time they put out that number. There's three times more death amongst the vaccinated individuals. Now, that three times, I'll point it out, that fucking doesn't mean shit, because you could go from one to three. I'm just telling you that's the way that the propaganda works, and that's the way that they like to uh, showcase the information. But along the lines of showing the diminishing returns, it th- th- and then you have a question. Is the issue of the vaccine that you need booster shots, or is it that it doesn't actually work for variants? Because if it doesn't work for variants, then the thing is just worthless. It's not about getting more of the thing. It's that, hey, this thing doesn't really work because you're always going to be lagging behind the variants. Okay. So now I just want to read a piece, and uh, this might be too technical for some of you folks, but I do want to read a piece from this actual um, CDC study. And what's interesting is that apparently the CDC does put out weekly reports on morbidity and mortality on a weekly basis. Um, and I'd spent a long time looking for basically this piece of information. I couldn't find it anywhere. Now, one thing that caught my eye is that from the eyeball of what I was seeing from individual studies, it looked to me like 10 times hospitalization, 10 times death. And at least according to this CDC, they have that right in a chart. So it looks like the select hospitals that I looked, like, looked at are in line with the larger CDC study. Okay. So just uh, two quick things that I want to highlight from the study. So the first is, and like I said, I might be very good at cherry picking data that showcases my narrative, but here's what I want to read. So during April 4th to July 17th, the total of 569,142, which is 92% of COVID-19 cases, Uh, 34,972 hospitalizations, which is 92%, and 6,132 deaths, which is 91% of deaths, were reported among people that weren't fully vaccinated. At the same time, let's not read the actual numbers. Let's go with the percentages because it's an easier read. So we've got 92% of um, uh, cases, 92% of hospitalizations, and 91% of deaths are coming from people that are vaccinated. And then 8% of cases um, uh, are from vaccinated individuals and 9% of deaths are from um, vaccinated individuals. Okay, so that is the data from April 4th to July 17th. Now, if you look at the data from April 4th to June 19th, right, fully vaccinated person is accounting for 5% of cases, 7% of hospitalizations, and 8% of deaths. The reason why I'm highlighting this is that if you change your data set from April, and this is their reporting. I'd like to see your June, July, and August data, right? Because here, look how much of an increase there is in your deaths and hospitalizations when you just start including July in the data set. I'll just read you the information again because maybe I don't have it right. Let's go. I'll start let's start with the April 4th to June 19th. So from April 4th to June 19th, Fully vaccinated persons were 5% of cases, 7% of hospitalizations, and 8% of deaths, right? Then if we include July in the data set during April 14th to July 17th, so now we've got, um, you're still at 8% of cases, 8% of hospitalizations. Oh, you know what? I think I just have to edit this part. Maybe. No, I have it right. So we went from 578 to 889, Not a gigantic increase, but I'm just saying that the one month alone is clearly an increase. So to me, the most interesting data would be to see for um, June, July and August when I would think that we're dealing with more of the actual Delta variant. Uh, the other piece of information that is worth noting from this, and I will have Stephen Steven on next week, is first is all of this information is coming from 13 U.S. jurisdictions. So what exactly, firstly, makes up a jurisdiction and why is it only 13? Why don't we have data for the entire country? And then this is from their own document. The findings in this report are subject to at least five limitations. First, combining unvaccinated and partially vaccinated persons resulted in lower IRR and VE estimates. I don't even know what that means. Second, variable linkage of case surveillance, vaccination, hospitalization, mortality data might have resulted in misclassifications that could influence IRR estimates. No substantial differences in ascertainment of outcomes by vaccination status were noted in jurisdictions that were able to assess this lags in reporting of deaths might have affected the second period differentiationally. Third, this was an ecological study in which IRRs lacked multivariable adjustments and causality um, could not be assessed. And then blah, blah, blah. Finally, the data sets from 13 jurisdictions accounted for 25% of the US population and therefore might not be generalizable. So I'm just telling you that based on everything we've seen on COVID data thus far, so this is their document assessing it. And it would seem to me that if you start looking at July and August data, even their fixture is going to look worse. And then also, I mean, the last line kind of says it at all. So if we're going to be working off the data, it's 13 jurisdictions accounting for 25% of the U.S. population and might, in their own words, and therefore might not be generalizable, which also means might not be a good study. Like in other words, they're just saying like, Hey, this information might be irrelevant. All right, let's move on to, let's get out of this, uh, COVID, uh, information stuff. I think it's, uh, best done when I actually have Steven on who can better, uh, firstly, read English and understand this information. Uh, but now would be a great time to, uh, support, uh, sheath, the company that supports our nuts and this podcast, Uh, And the only reason why I, I can just stand still like this and read articles to you is because I know that my balls have the support of the sheath underwear. Right now, I'm wearing my sheaths. I got my I got my dick in the dick hole. It feels nice. I'm wearing uh, I got straight black ones. I think this might be one of their new fabrics. They got some high end fabrics like they got some bamboo stuff. I'm wearing their T-shirts, which are extremely comfortable and absorbent. If you're out there and you're uh, you're actually, you know, working out, going out in the, the heat of the sun, uh, that shit absorbs everything and keeps you cool. I could not recommend more. If you're out there at a live event and I give you a sheath check, which is when I just walk up to you and grab your nuts, like I'm the TSA. Cause I want to know if you got a nice bulge going and I could tell that I'm just grabbing fucking bunchy fabrics from your shitty fruit of the loom underwear that probably has holes in it. Or even worse, if you're rocking like tighty whiteys or one of these, uh, like just, by the way, I've seen Hanes are trying to trying to rip off sheath. I saw that they tried to get like these little ridges, but it's not quite a separation. It's just like a ridge that kind of digs into your nuts. It's a total embarrassment to the new technology of underwear that exists out there that could be separating your dick from your nuts, keeping everything in place, keeping it cool. So I don't know why a fan who has been listening to this podcast for a long juncture of time would not have purchased himself sheath underwear. It is a better lifestyle. This is a better way to live. So you go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RYM, use 20% off. And I'm letting you know, if you were a fan of Sheath Underwear, uh, firstly, they just got some new products. They just had to, uh, a crazy situation, restocking themselves because of everything that's going on in the shipping. So, you know, holiday season, it's coming up. Maybe buy your, some, your friends some sheets so that they can try it out or stock up before they end up in uh, short supply again. Go get yourself some sheath. promo code RYM, you're going to get 20% off. Uh, Wall Street Journal went after uh, um, what's it called? They went after Facebook big time this past week. First is they put out this story uh, showcasing that uh, there's bad research data of the way Instagram is making. Uh, basically, like, you know, teenage kids feel about themselves. I'll just say, while they wrote a good article and you start getting all nervous, these kids, I feel like every kid has always lived with uh, anxiety. Uh, y- most people don't feel that great about the way they look. I'm sure that's particularly true for high school teenage women. I was not one of them, but we all live with anxiety about how we look. And I'm sure if you ran any single study about people's insecurities, it's going to come back, oh, look, that's insecure and they're made more insecure by anything because I I think it's pretty easy to put together a study uh, taking anxious individuals and going, anything's making them anxious. So, but, anyways, it was a good article, definitely made Facebook look bad. The other one, which was a lot more damning, was that every single time that these people end up in congressional hearings and they go, it is very clear that you guys are censoring and targeting specific individuals, they always go, we are not censoring particular individuals. What we have is a policy. And if something is in violation of our policy, we remove it, except. They did a tricky thing. They noticed that if they start censoring people who have large followings, who are liberals, or like if all of a sudden The Rock posts something, and Facebook takes it down, and The Rock's like, what the fuck is Facebook taking down my shit for, right? Right then that is bad publicity for Facebook. Then all of a sudden everyone realizes, oh, Facebook does kind of censor us. And what if liberal senators are posting something and it starts getting flagged by Facebook as being promoting violence or promoting misinformation, and then they speak out against Facebook? Well, then that's also really bad publicity for Facebook because apparently a lot of information can get censored by Facebook. So they get ahead of this situation, and they basically create a list of 4 million people who are a selected class. And if you were in this selected class, that filter that would flag something as being misinformation or being dangerous or basically in violation of their policy, it didn't get triggered. You could just do whatever the fuck you wanted. So in other words, every time that they say, hey, listen, we just have a policy and if something's in violation of our policy, that's actually not the way it works. It's if you're in a certain group of people and, th- and then you violate the policy or remove that censorship. That is that is like not only is it censorship, but then that that is very, very clear that they are um, censoring conservatives while not censoring liberals, because they always just try and go, hey, we've got this one. No, you don't just have one policy. That's not the way it works. You've got a policy that's only enforced for certain individuals. All right. I want to close out this show with a uh, with a scary story. I read all sorts of medical documents. I turned the show really, really boring. Uh, So now I'm going to I'm going to scare the shit out of you guys with the with the story. It's a short story, not a funny story, not a good story, but a scary story. I mean, there's no ghosts or rape or anything like that, but it's still scary. I have a friend. friend got himself a good job. He was unemployed for a little while. He didn't think he was going to get himself a job. He didn't think he was going to land on his feet. My friends are real losers. That's what I'm trying to let you guys know. If I'm actually friends with the person, they probably don't have their shit together. They probably don't have a lot of life talents. Uh, they probably live in a ball of angst. Things probably aren't going well for them. But this individual handsome tall fella smart fella his life's a mess why i don't know he made the mistake of I, I who knows what happened in his past but anyways he had a little gap in his employment you know COVID kicked people's asses he was sick for a whole long time now here's what's interesting about this individual first grew up in a trailer park wouldn't call him privileged. second very liberal individual has liberal policies he was fun to you know sit down with at meals and like go full scale propaganda on just because you know he would laugh because you know he's liberal so he would just be like you're crazy Right. And then also uh, he's currently dating uh, a black uh, lady. So, you know, I wouldn't call him a racist. I would call him a happy New York City liberal who, you know, even enjoyed the self-righteousness of knowing that he was a good liberal. He's got a job. At the job one day, uh, he works at, like, this uh, ritzy spa-type establishment. Some some lady, he's like a manager there, some lady bypass, bypasses the front desk. She doesn't check in, and she walks right into uh, the massage room. And uh, I'm not familiar with the way that these establishments work. I'm not one of these rich people who gets to go to spas and... Uh, Anyone, any fans want to do a spa day, a ritzy, the ritzy run your mouth spa day where we ruin the spa for wealthy individuals who went there to be classy. We show up with our submarine sandwiches and we hang out in their steam rooms and you know, just comment about how the steam room's ruining and making our sandwiches soggy. Well, what we need is a sauna that we could toast our. That would be great. Toasting bread in a in a fancy fancy sauna, having a tailgate, just putting kielbasa on there. Anyways, what the fuck was I talking about? My friend's story. I'm ruining his tail. I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you my my the 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 plight of my friend. Lady bypasses the front desk. My friend's not a liar. I I believe him on this one. Uh, and she goes right into the room. So someone walks up to him and say, Hey, someone just went right into that room. So he goes, he checks, sees that there's a person in there, goes to find the person that runs that room to find out if they have an appointment. They do not have an appointment on the books, uh, or they weren't aware of the appointment on the books. So he, then he goes into the room to check and just say, like, if they were waiting on someone or if they thought that they had a scheduled appointment, walks into the room And the lady accuses him of being a racist and that the only reason why there was concern about her being in this room um, was because she was a woman of color, even though she's Middle Eastern, not even black. And that my friend, as being a white man of privilege, uh, needs to learn a lesson so that, you know, people – he needs to learn that he's a racist and that he came from privilege and that he can't treat people this way and that she's actually a very wealthy individual – and she's going to show that this white man in power needs to have better respect for other individuals by calling up the owners of the company and making sure that he gets fired. Three days fire day. Three days later, he gets fired. Of course, they say it's for performance. He asked, "Do you have documentation of the performance?" It's pretty clear as to why he got fired. Uh, and I share this story with you because, to me, uh, this is. This is the scary thing that we realize could happen if people, you know—I mean, that that, that that is being racist. That's saying, hey, this guy's white, and so I don't want him to work here because he's white. And it's not like, like—women and people of color shouldn't have to face that. Like, they shouldn't have to face an employer— or uh, you know, people that do, just don't want them working somewhere for those reasons, and then being able to be told that they're fired. Uh, and when certain individuals had the power and wielded in that way, it was bad. Uh, but now there's a different group of individuals who have the power, and the point is, we got to get rid of that power. Like that, that's that's the thing that shouldn't exist. Like the wheels will turn. I don't think like. Uh, Uh, I don't think uh, protected class will always be the protected class. I think it's more about, like, even if you're holding that, like, it's more important to be like, you know, you shouldn't be able to just be pure evil to people like that. Like, nobody wins when we live in a world where, like, I get it. Right now, this lady like I guess got off on the fact that she could just get a dude fired and could get the guy fired just for being white and I bet she even feels good about that that she taught some handsome tall white guy a lesson like I bet she feels good about it or maybe I I don't I don't I can't I wasn't there maybe my friend's a fucking maybe my maybe my friend did something that he didn't you know he didn't tell me but I I just heard that story and I was like you know a lot of what we talk about here is conceptual and you could even be like hey I don't think it's ever going to go that way or I think you're being a little bit too dramatic, and uh, every once in a while you hear like a real world story, even within your social circle, where you're like, ah, you know what? Some of this isn't so conceptual. This does where this does this is where the woke thinking does go. There is some real world risk on our plate by not doing our best to try and rid the ele- the world of these elements of stupidity. Uh, and so I just share it with you because it's not too like you know. I don't know, it's always interesting to me when when, when this stuff kind of dr- jumps from the conceptual to actually happening within our lives. All right, that's it. Uh, listen, th- there are great things in the world. I don't want to end up depressing you no know, That fucking sucks. So uh, you want to know what good things are coming to the world? I got, I got gigs. You guys can come out to some of my gigs. I don't, I don't do any depressing shit on my gigs. I tell jokes. That's what I do. I'm going to be uh, in Texas with uh, Kyle Ruff. That's coming up. I believe it's October 9th. We're trying to piggyback... Uh, um buck johnson's got an event going down at his farm as a part of thaddeus russell's university uh, it's something along those lines uh it were really far into this episode i read too many medical journals so i need a nap uh, got some backyard gigs coming up in connecticut all those have been fun if you're in the area hit me up robsnewsroom at gmail.com uh potentially mexico gig i just have to actually get a passport um which i hope i can do because i did tell them i would show up for it uh gonna be down in virginia uh that's coming up i'm doing the uh the meat Calk's got an event going on i'm gonna be doing some stand-up there uh trying to put together another end of year thing i just keep reading medical journals instead of writing jokes to the end of year hopefully might be back up at the shell in december and some other destinations for that Uh, other than that, you know, support the sponsors and also, oh dude, if you guys have never checked out the Shedcast, um... Uh, there's an episode coming out this Thursday which would be a good entry point um, I'm on most episodes and if you remember the show when I didn't talk about things that were political and we just sat around and talked about a bunch of nonsense sometimes it was with uh, good old Yosef, other times it was with the Shedcast guys, uh, or other times it was at, uh, when I was hanging out in the studio and random people would just sit down in the room drunk and then that became the episode I think you guys would enjoy the Shedcast where it's uh, pretty much political free and uh, you know, we just uh, we talk We talk shit, so go check out the Shedcast. I need a nap, and, uh, you know, enjoy your Sundays.